Last time on Word Travels Fast. Bruce from Byron turned up to take first place at the Kempsey Slam. I'm thrilled that I'm going to Sydney. Ariel and Zohab schooled local teens at Poetry Boot Camp, where they found Willow, who went on to win the Maury Slam. It was brilliant, but absolutely nerve-wracking. And the trip journeyed south and found that life on the road is full of surprises. So we're on the road on our way to Gosford. We left at about 7.30 this morning. And we stopped at this little highway stop kind of place. Quaint little, very Australian roadhouse. It was a big fake, you know, Uluru kind of thing. They called it Ayers Rock, we call it Uluru. Plaster replica of Uluru. Placed on the top of a collection of commercial venues. We have a bank, we have a subway and we have the Pie Man. It's pretty Australiana. I really hate saying it's the most Australian thing I've seen. (laughs) And I think Ariel thinks it's probably the greatest thing she's seen on trip. We went inside. It was the last thing that you expected to see in there and uh, it was... They've got blackface dolls inside. In the corner, They have a full-on gollywog shop, which is rather confronting as a black woman walking in. It's like, oh, you know, just kind of thinking about maybe getting a coffee and then seeing the gollywogs. It's like, nope, nope, not spending any money here. I think think I've got to investigate. I'm just going to wander on in here and uh, see if we can't find ourselves some racism. Hmm, footballs, beanies. Headphones. Oh my gosh, she is totally right. Oh, like a bunch of blackface dolls. Like, just for sale. So what do you think about the big rock now? Uh, wow. <laughs> that was, ooh. <laughs> Who still buys those? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of kind of ready to hit the road and keep going. I, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. You're listening to Word Travels Fast. I'm Tegan Nichols. So, yes, encountering the sale of racially charged dolls on the side of the road left our troop feeling a little disillusioned with society as we made our way to Gosford. But luckily for us, our next slam destination was only a couple of hours away. And once we hit Gosford, it wasn't long until we found the hip little creative oasis known as the lounge room. Uh, hey, my name's Will. And, uh, Will Small manages the space. He's also a poet. Called the lounge room. Which the lounge room is a venue which is run as part of a charity called Musicians Making a Difference, also known as MAD for short. Gosford is not necessarily the most happening place and the lounge room is a bit of a a mix of a creative space where we hold all kinds of events. We have a recording studio, we have a a kind of community volunteer run cafe, we use it as a a training cafe for for young people who are seeking employment, uh, upskilling and any any money that we make through our our recording studio, our events, our cafe, um, all goes into running programs with vulnerable young people. Our last coffee stop was unfortunately cut short, so we were pretty interested in the lounge room's cafe. We call it the more or less cafe, and we allow people to pay uh, what they have. So we try and say everyone's welcome, 
Uh, if you've got a dollar in your pocket, then pay a dollar for your coffee. If you have more than that, pay more and know that any extra is going into helping, helping do our, our work with young people that need it. The lounge room is pretty hidden. And when I say pretty hidden, I mean very hidden. It sits on a stretch of highway that seems to be dominated by car dealerships and rental yards. It's not exactly the area you'd normally head to for a night out. Yeah, it's, it's a rough area. In this area, there's pretty high, high rates of uh, ice usage. We're right next door to a homeless shelter. So there's, there's lots of people around here that um, you know, uh, are struggling with housing issues. There's a lot of domestic violence. Central Coast has one of the highest rates of domestic violence in Australia. And being that we're uh, not too far away from Sydney, uh, that creates a few interesting challenges. A lot of people have to commute for work means there's a lot of kids on the coast during the week that, you know, if they're a single parent family, mum or dad could be away for, you know, 14 hour a day, five days a week. Um, so all of that creates a pretty interesting social cocktail. Um, Will shared a poem with us, a poem that he wrote for some of the young people who the lounge room work with in Gosford. I actually performed this in the Australian Poetry Slam uh, a few years ago, but I'll just do a couple of lines. He's carrying the hopes of his family beneath an op shop jacket. Not because it's trendy to thrift now, there was no choice in the matter. Left the nest with a few cigarettes and high hopes to help pay some of mum's bigger debts. Limited schooling, but he's wise to the world. No choice but to learn when your life unfurls. When you're raised in the middle of bruised fists and bills, booze cigs and pills, loose lips and leadership spills. You see the prime administer of violent virtue, switched like which visitor would like to hurt you. Stepmom, stepdad, partners, search through your mental images, forgetting which ones birthed you. It's like a perfect circus, but a broken home, but that's a token way to be broken, bro. So when someone spoke it, he broke their nose. You don't know what it's like to be broke, no dough, until you find your sleeves in stolen op shop clothes. There's more, but we'll leave it there. <laughs> it might not come as much of a surprise that amongst its events, the Landrum hosts a monthly poetry night. We have people that actually come from Sydney and Newcastle because this night has a great reputation. We're proud of that. Normally it's the other way around. People are heading away from the coast on a, on a Saturday night. It was time to hear what the poets of Gosford had for the stage. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, can anybody hear me? Can you hear me? Can anybody hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? We can all hear each other well now. Whoa, feedback. Gosford didn't disappoint. The poets came and the competition was high. And although she didn't place amongst the winners with the judges, one of the crowd's favourite poems of the night was by a poet called Brooke Scobie. Here's Brooke's poem. This is for everyone that told me I wasn't Aboriginal enough. You don't look like one, they said, with their glass-filled smiles like I don't bleed when their words bite into my skin. My skin that doesn't match your ideas of how I should be. No, not like that doll your nana knitted you and not like a cartoon by some dead racist because to you, my people look one way. So surely I couldn't be one of them, right? Because when I stay out of the sun, my colour fades, just the opposite of those receipts on your dashboard. And the curiously European architecture of my face, without fail, lifts your eyebrows in question, asking, what are you? 
and then asking, yeah, sure, but what percentage? Like the exact blood quantum biology of my skin, my flesh, my bone could ever change the intergenerational trauma of children never coming home of a language that I have never known or a culture that I was never even shown. So whether you like it or not, my history is mine, my heritage is mine and I won't go on arguing because baby, whether you like it or not, you are or you're not, and I am. Slam may be over, but this place is still buzzing. Let's go find our top three poets. Meet Ilham. What happened today is I came third and I didn't expect that. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> she was pretty excited about taking third place in the slam. And why not? She was a newcomer in town after all. Three weeks. This is my th- the end of my third week. And her name means a lot to her. Since I just moved here, so people obviously ask me what my name is. And I, and I go, oh, it's Ilham. And it means inspiration in Arabic before they even want to know the meaning. I have to blurt it out. So... Yeah, I, I really love my name now because I'm like, yeah, it represents me. This is a place I feel home, my name. Ilham, pronounced Ilham. Ilham is inspiration in Arabic. Ilham is everything I, I am. Ism ala musamma, meaning a name based on its beholder. When I was five years old, I sat on the floor of our two-bedroom apartment. I asked mom what my name meant and how it was written. She wrote it for me on my paper and I copied it down a few times. Ilham means inspiration, and back then I didn't know what a, that a name was a responsibility, so I told mom that I hated it, and as soon as I was old enough, I'd change it. But I grew into it. I loved it. I tried to become it. We have this belief that you're given your name before you're even born, because when I was being formed in her womb, my future characteristics were being set on this planet. At age seven, I was molested by my mom's cousin at Age eight, I started gaining weight. They didn't think it was weird at all. At age 11, I was molested by my aunt's husband. At age 15, I lost a friend to cancer, which started triggering me. At age 16, with undiagnosed PTSD and BPD, I tried to kill myself. It opened the door to being diagnosed and getting the help I needed, but it also opened the door to craving the feeling that being suspended in my brain gave me. At age 16 and six months, I had gained 20 kilos, thanks to Zyprexa. At age 17, I had a major crush on suicide. At age 19, I tried to kill myself three different times in two days. Those are so big they'd kill an elephant. Doctor thought I probably lied about them. But my fighter of a body just said no. Ilham. Inspiration, because there were days where I talked people out of suicide while simultaneously holding the knife away from my throat. Because there were days where I threw up all the meds I had swallowed to continue fighting because the suicidal in me wasn't as strong as the fighter in me. Because there were days where I cleaned my room when my soul was a goddamn mess. Because there were days where I couldn't walk straight, but I walked held head, head held up high and punched my molester. Because there were days where it hurt to breathe, but I exhaled every last breath of mine into the lungs of another sexual abuse victim. 
Because there were so many days where I stripped my soul bare, where I was a disgrace to everyone because I spoke out about the sexual abuse I've been subjected to. But I'm not here to play victim. I'm here to tell you what happens, and it hurts, and it kills you, and it makes your body foreign and disgusting. But there are days where it's 3.45 a.m., and I'm sitting in my shorts and makeup, and I love myself so much. I gave my heart and soul to as many people as I possibly could. I know so many stories, it breaks my heart, but for them and for me, I love us. And today, I'm off the meds and I am proud because we are not just victims. We are survivors, we are fighters, warriors, we are brave and we are strong. We are everything. So when you ask me if I've lived up to my name, yes. Yes, I have so proudly and I wear it like a shield. My poetry has always been about hard-hitting topics for a young girl. Uh, I decided to just, you know, be as, as vulnerable as possible. And that's just my poetry for you. And I needed to get my story out there somehow. And I needed to let people know that it's okay. You know, you, you'll get over it. And not in a way as in, you know, just get over it. No, more like, you'll heal. You'll, you'll get better. You'll, you'll cope. You can always do it, so yeah. Meet Max. Um, so I'm Max Liberto and I just came second in a heat for the Australian Poetry Slam. I didn't think anything like this could happen, so it's kind of amazing. My poem was about how I have mild social anxiety, so I kind of wrote a poem about that and tried to, I don't know, explain what it felt like, because I couldn't put it into words any other way. I am nobody. People don't listen. So this is my chance to be heard. See, I'm quiet. I don't speak out, and though I hate myself for it, I don't always speak up. I worry my friends don't take me seriously. They ignore my ideas. I swear, sometimes they don't even notice if I stop in the middle of a... They just keep going. And my mind is running and running like a steam train. The brakes are on, but they aren't working. And it keeps going, whirling, running in circles. And I can't control it until suddenly it stops. And I am thrown off balance. Sometimes I stay upright. Sometimes I fall, shatter, pick myself up. Reassemble the pieces. Hope there isn't one missing. Sometimes there is. I'm losing my mind, fragment by fragment, shard by shard, and then finally, when I have picked myself up, dusted myself off, and I'm looking for an exit, someone says something that makes me doubt myself, the train starts rolling again. Slowly at first, then faster, faster, running downhill, a roller coaster ride where the highs make your head go up into the clouds, and the lows bring you crashing back down. Before hitting Gosford, our day on the road began with the unexpected, and it seemed only fitting that the slam would end in much the same fashion. Yeah, so my poem was something about something really close to my heart, uh, KFC. 
Meet Lewis. So I am Lewis, and I just won our heat for the Australian Poetry Slam, which has been pretty, pretty amazing. Sometimes you just have to write relatable poetry, and people just understand what it's like to take a bite of juicy Kentucky Fried Chicken. Here's Lewis's poem. I wish, I wish for peace, a peace that surpasses understanding, a piece of KFC. A thigh or a leg, perhaps a set of breasts. Give me a few minutes with a bucket, there won't be much left. Because I wish for a chicken with every breath. I wish for peace. And I wish I could swim in a sea of potato and gravy. Mmm, Lord, save me. I would dip my toe in bravely and wade in till I'm deep enough to submerge my head. Two hands above the surface holding that dinner roll bread. And if I drowned, at least I died doing something I love. That taste on my tongue from that condiment tub. <laughs> Talking about this finger-licking chicken is making me restless. And no, I don't have a chicken-killing fetish. I just wish, I wish others could feel this deep sense of peace. The peace that says I might not have everything, but I have plenty to eat. A peace that says I may not always agree, but when you speak, I can hear your poetry. A piece that lets me open my mind and find new revelations in the depths of your rhymes. See, this piece manifests among you, my poetry family, where you put up with my KFC rambling and you make me feel like I have a home. If they say home is where the heart is, then my heart is stapled to that wall because that wall is more visible than my sleeve and open to wall. And I wish that you can feel this piece. A piece that says you're worthy, worthy to speak. Worthy to tell your story, worthy to believe, worthy to be free. I wish for peace, a piece of KFC. I guess, in a sense, what I was talking about was like just this atmosphere that we can create at poetry nights where everyone understands and, and can like becomes family over like words shared, whether it be about KFC or it be about the more serious issues like. Um, sometimes even issues that can be polarising or issues people don't agree with. But in a poetry night, it's like we all hear each other and can all understand each other. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing. Like in so many places in our world, people don't listen to each other and fight and argue. But in this kind of space, we all come in with different opinions, different beliefs, but we hear what each other are saying. Turns out Lewis has his own story with MAD, the charity behind the lounge room. Yeah, so I actually grew up in a small country town in Queensland called Biloela, a town of about 5,000 people. And I was disadvantaged when I was nine years old in that country town because there wasn't much opportunity. Um, and they ran a camp that totally changed my perspective on everything. Like everyone in my hometown wanted to be a football player or a mechanic or something like that. And I just felt like I didn't fit in, like I wasn't good at sports. Um, but I was good at, you know, public speaking and drama and musical things. Um, so when they came, it totally made me go, wow, I can actually do something and uh, can be a part of something. Lewis didn't just change his perspective. He packed up his whole life and took it south. So I uh, decided to take a gap year and move down here to New South Wales when I finished and volunteered with MAD for a year. And then it turned into like a five-year gap year. After my year here, I met so many people, amazing people on the coast through things like this. And, and so now, yeah, I'm here working on the coast. I'm a magician, actually. So I do magic tricks and I work as a chaplain in school, so my life's completely changed. But it's pretty amazing that, yeah, someone met me when I was nine years old who fully changed my perspective on my entire life. 
So that was Gosford. And we all agreed that when Gosford speaks up, it has a lot to say. We had an incredible show last night at the lounge room, packed the place out. There's two poets now going to the New South Wales finals. I'm pretty excited about that. The quality last night was actually pretty incredible. Um, so now we're gonna get back onto the road. We're heading to Nara, which is our next stop. We've got our trusty little minivan here and we're gonna jump back on in. So, cool, see you in Nara. Word Travels Fast is produced by Word Travels in partnership with All The Best with sound production by me, your host, Tegan Nichols. A big thanks to all the poets who featured in this episode. To hear more episodes, visit wordtravels.info or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.